want to throw out a few thoughts at you this morning on, the, on God's word. And when I say God's word, I don't only mean it in the written word. Obviously, it includes the written word, but I mean everything from a prophetic word, a word over your life, the written word. And I'm even going to go into a couple different areas um, and what it looks like. But I'm not going to go long because I do feel like he's going to do some more prophetic ministry at the end. God responds to his word. God responds to his word. How many understand that God keeps his promises? It doesn't have anything to do with what you've seen manifest yet. It doesn't change the fact that God keeps his promises. I'm going to show you a few things on this that might encourage you a little bit if you haven't seen it yet. Sometimes our, our Bible can be, um, for, for young believers even, and even for mature believers, sometimes there's things we read, it's like, huh? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And some of those huh scriptures? Like, <laughs> you guys are way more mature than me then. There's some scriptures I just read them the first time, like, huh? 300th time, I'm still like, mm, that one's a little hard. And there's, there's times that we read our Bible, and there are things that we see in our Bible that at times, if you don't understand how things work, it could almost look like God, and he doesn't, but it can look like he contradicts himself in his own, in his own word. Like, like, for example, you, we say, God is good. He's always good. He's so good. Yeah. And then people go point out a scripture in the Old Testament. They're like, well, but he like nuked all those people. And, and, and it asks a question, and if you don't understand it, it's hard to believe he's good if you still think he's going to do that again. <laughs> and so, so many times people don't understand how uh, even this, 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 this journey was written. And we know God is good, but we don't always understand everything that we read. And we say, well, I know God is good, but you know, like, hey, he's... <laughs> There's some things in the Old Testament that doesn't seem like the, the same thing I feel in the room when we are here for you. And then I read the scripture. I'm like, whoa. Anybody can I get an amen? Like, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know the answer to the question. I'm not there yet, but just stick with me. And so sometimes we read this word and we think that, you know, let me just encourage you. God does not have a split personality. He is the same truly yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But we have to understand this concept called covenants. And I'm not going to do a covenant teaching because, number one, it's, some of it's very deep and very hard to go through. And I'm not even going to try. But I'm going to give you a couple basics on it. <laughs> we have these things in our Bible called covenants. Pretty much every page of this Bible is written in the context of a covenant. If you don't understand the covenant, you don't understand what you're reading. I'm made, the only time in our culture we talk about covenants is pretty much on wedding day, right? We don't hear the word covenant in everyday language too often in our culture. But we do on a wedding when we, you know, I'm making a covenant with my wife and she's making a covenant with me. And through that, I'm making vows to her and she's making vows to me. And that's the only time we hear this thing about covenants. But we understand something that I understand in a covenant. I understand people are like, you know, in certain marriages, why are, you, why are you still in that? I've made a covenant. 
So I understand the context of this marriage. When you don't understand these covenants in the Bible, you'll read it and say, well, why did God do that? Well, you don't know the covenant. So I'm going to switch the word a little bit. To, so covenant's kind of hard. So let's use a kind of similar word. I'm going to use the word a commitment. And we're going to kind of throw that in and out a little bit. And it may not be the best word to swap it with, but maybe it'll click with you just a little bit more. But God works in this context of covenant, a commitment. Something interesting is that the word righteousness is actually tied to the word covenant. In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the way that they were made righteous was that they kept the covenant. He had not come yet, so he had not died on the cross. So what made you righteous was that you kept your commitments. So interesting thing is that righteousness is connected to keeping your commitment. Jesus, when he is righteous... When he was in these relationships and these different covenants, I'm just going to throw out a couple of them. He had to keep his word to stay in his place of righteousness. He could not break his word. You with me? This is not a trick question. This is all pretty easy right up front, okay? I'm not going to dive in deep. And so imagine these different covenants. And Jesus, he wanted to come into covenant with them. There's different types of covenants. There's a grant covenant, which is a goodie. And then there's a, there's a vassal covenant. Whenever God approached people in the Bible and he went into covenant with their people, he always wanted to have a grant covenant with them. He wanted to be in a relationship with them. Grant covenants are so cool because if you just research them, it's such a blessing to be in a grant covenant with somebody. It's a good thing. Vassal covenants are really different. Lots of rules, lots of do's, lots of don'ts. If you guys go and you look through your Bible, you're going to see certain covenants. You're going to see um, some that were grant covenants, and then you're going to see like the Mosaic covenant that was... A vassal covenant, which has something like over 600 rules. How many of you know that if your righteousness is attached to keeping those rules, that's a little intimidating? He hadn't come, he hadn't come yet and died on the cross, and he became my righteousness. That hasn't happened yet. And so they're in this Mosaic covenant, which is a vassal covenant, and it's got over 600 rules that they have to keep. Talk about depressing. The scary part is so many people keep wanting to go back to it because we're more, we're actually, we're more comfortable often with rules than freedom because we've bought into the lie. It's easier for someone to tell me what to do than to manage myself. And God's heart was never in those types. It was never in this, this covenant of wanting to be, he became when he came into it and they said, we want to do this covenant, he said, okay, here's the deal. And they laid out the covenant and they said, you, if we don't do this, this, and this, you're the disciplinary. You're the discipliner. What a bad deal for God. But how many of you know that if he came into covenant, he has to keep the word. He can't not do it. So I want you to see a good father 
that was welcomed into a covenant with his people. And it's this vassal covenant that's not what he wanted. He wanted a grant covenant. He wanted a covenant where they would be royalty with him. He wanted them to do this thing with him. He wanted his kids, the family. He wanted it to be a family business. And they said, no, no, we're more comfortable with rules. Okay, so they lay it out. And here's the thing. If God, if we don't do this, 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 and this, you got to deal with us. So then God becomes, we read scriptures and things happen and we see where God was, doesn't look the nicest and he wasn't up there like enjoying it. Not that he's up there, he's, but he wasn't enjoying the discipline that was being brought. Are you still with me? I'm laying a foundation. I know I'm trying not to go too deep in this. I want you just to imagine how hard it would be on the father that he's having to discipline when he, he wanted to come into this relationship, but they said, we want you to be the, the principal that just disciplines us. So he keeps his word. Do you think God wanted to be the disciplinary one? <laughs> Did he have to? Yes. Why? Because he had to keep his word. Something happened, though. The third Sunday, typically, of every month, we do something called communion. And there's a scripture we read, and I'm going to, you can write it down, Luke chapter 22, verse 19 and 20, but specifically verse 20, he said, this cup represents my blood. In this cup is the new, things are getting fun now. So here's God. He's, he's, not, he's not happy with this connection. He doesn't like being the, just, just, he doesn't like the relationship he's in. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Jesus. Jesus was also called the second Adam. Why? Because what the first Adam messed up, Jesus came back and said, I'm going to fix it. And when I fix it, no one will ever be able to screw it up again. So he sends Jesus, the second Adam. Jesus comes. Jesus walks. He's perfect theology he's absolutely the perfect representation of the father and so here is jesus and he's sitting with them he's saying guys everything is getting ready to change everything when i die on this cross my blood when it's shed i'm gonna fulfill all of the requirements of this last covenant and i'm gonna set you in a new covenant but here's the deal the new covenant is between the father and the son but you know what happens when you get saved? You come in the family. And you marry into all of it. And he was not happy with the covenants. He was not happy with it. And he says, so we're going to start a new covenant. And so when my son sheds his blood, this is the cup. In this cup is the new covenants. And all those, the, the last covenant that was filled with 600 plus rules and commands and all this. Guess what? There's one, there's one command in the new covenant. You ready? And it covers it all. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the only command you will find in the new covenant. Why? Because it pretty much covers it all. He says, love one another as I have loved you. This is the command I give you. I'm taking you through this for a reason because I want you to understand how serious the kingdom of God is about keeping its word. Yeah. 
I think in a prophetic culture, I think it's good that we teach people to prophesy. And I think it's good that people learn. Sometimes, guess what? People even get it wrong. It's, it's okay. My kid fell on her bike a few times when she was trying to learn. I didn't throw the bike away and say, oh, don't ever do it again. That's how some people want to approach the prophetic. Is throw the bike away and say, never do it again. We have to be mature enough spiritually to be able to hear a prophetic word that when it's wrong, be able to say, thank you. I'll pray over that. It's okay. I'm careful about that because I get it that we want to be accurate, but we also want people to have the freedom to begin to learn. And it's just like anything else. It's a process of learning, hearing the voice of the Lord. And it's not always immediate. And sometimes I, I hear some people prophesy. It's funny because I know like the first 30 seconds was right. And then it starts getting like their opinion starts coming in. And it's like 10 minutes into the word. I'm like, it was really good that first 30 seconds. But I think you got excited and kept going and going and going. And I, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll go back and I'll remember that first piece i don't say well you blew it i remember that first piece that i knew the lord was on it but god is that serious about keeping his word that even when he would be in a covenant in one of these situations where he didn't want to do it he had to keep his word that's good news for you though he has to keep his word he has to keep his word he has to keep his word that's encouraging to me there's peace on that for me and so I want, to, I want to show you this interesting picture of where something I had not seen before. We were in staff prayer, I think, last week. And the Lord, I was sharing this with my staff, and it was just blowing me away. I want you to think about the story of Elijah. Let's, how many of you know the prophet Elijah? Elijah was a pretty cool dude, one of my favorite guys. I can't wait to, like, watch the video in heaven of the encounter with Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Carmel. Is anybody else with me? Right, right? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like when he's like, it's like one on 400 guys. And he's out there and he's like, doesn't have a care. He's mocking them. There's probably only like two, 250 in here this morning. Double this room. And I see Elijah like kick back in a lawn chair like, hey, little louder. He's like, maybe cut yourself a little more. And they're doing it. He's actually taken over the show for them. And, and here he is, and he's making fun of them. How many of you know when you're losing, there's nothing worse than somebody that makes fun of you? Has anybody ever played sports in this room? Knows what I'm talking about. Is anybody? Oh, I almost said something to make a lot of people mad at me, so I'm not going to say it. But I was, was going to say, is anybody a Panthers fan? You know what I'm talking about. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, so. <laughs> See all the men come alive. No. <laughs> so, so check it out. Check it out. He's on this mountain. He's on Mount Carmel. And there is a showdown. Who's going to get fire down from heaven? And Elijah's doing, they're doing their thing. And 400 and, and, and prophets of Baal. And Elijah's like, are you ready yet? All right. Tell you what. You know what? Why don't you throw water on my wood? Do we have enough faith in God that we have this approach with people? Like, like, I mean, he had such a lack of intimidation. The enemy did not, did not impress him. We need to stop being so impressed by the enemy. People come to me sometimes that they say it's almost in an attitude of prayer. Like, let's pray. But I almost feel like you're impressed by what the enemy's doing. I'm like, don't let him impress you. Don't focus on him. He's not worth your time. And he was never created for your face. 
Don't look at him. Don't give him your face. So he gets up. He says, put water on it. They put water on it. What happens? He said, do it again. I think, I think he did it three times. Maybe just two. Put water on it. What's he do? <laughs> he calls down fire. Not only does it catch on fire, it absolutely devours everything there. The stones. I mean, come on. That's some hot fire. God was just showing off at that point. It's like wet wood, Elijah. Really? God. I'll take care of the stones too. <laughs> you know, Elijah was even like, whoa. So there's Elijah. Elijah's a cool prophet. And here, here so Elijah is, um, can I have my Tiffany right next to you? My, my um, I don't know what you call that thing, sweater, shirt. Yeah, jacket. So Elijah is going and he's traveling and Elisha is out in the field. And Elisha is working. We don't know exactly how old Elisha was. The Bible doesn't exactly say, but we know he's pretty young. He's a young man. So AJ, come, come stand here. You know you want it. <laughs> so you're making me nervous like we should have a catcher when we do this. Mm. <laughs> Elijah walks up to Elisha. Elisha's plowing in the field, and he just walks up, and he just throws his mantle on him. And it hits him. What does he do, though? He goes back, and he, and he takes it back. When Elisha felt that mantle rest on him, it didn't take anything to convince him to leave and to follow Elijah. And, it's, and let me tell you something. When you are a true demonstration of God, you won't have to convince the world he's real. He threw it on him. You can just sit down. Thanks, AJ. You just want more, don't you? double portion it's coming hang on that part's later and so and so it happens Elijah Elisha begins to follow Elijah and he goes with him everywhere and this this thing comes up where they're coming to the Jordan River and the Bible says that Elijah took his mantle and it said that actually it said before that he asked Elisha he said Elisha said what do you want how many of that's a great question that's, that's, anytime you see that question in the Bible, that's a goodie. What do you want? He said, I, I want double what you got. I think you should have shot higher myself. He said, I want double what you have. And he said, all right. He said, stick with me. I'm paraphrasing. This is all in 2 Kings. He said, stick with me. And he said, if you're with me when I'm taken away, it will be yours. There's this funny little interaction where he kept telling him to stay. Elijah would be like, stay here, and, Elijah, and Elisha's like, I'm with you. And he would go, and he would say, wait there, and he'd say, no, I go with you. And so what happens? They come to the Jordan River, and Elijah takes his mantle, and it says that he hits the water, and it splits the Jordan, and they cross. And your Bible tells the account of when Elijah was taken to heaven by a chariot. This has to be another. I mean, Elijah, gosh. God, this is some cool scenes, man. I want to see the repeat of all these. He's taken to heaven. And guess what gets left? His mantle. It's interesting because Elisha picks it up. The first miracle he does same river 
same mantle. The last miracle Elijah did was take his mantle, hit the Jordan, split it. The first miracle that Elisha did was take the mantle, hit the Jordan River, split it. There's something to be said in that. He took over where he left off. I don't want to build something where my kids have to go repeat everything that I've done. I want my kids to learn things. But I don't want them to have to just re-go through what I've already built. The last thing that Elijah did was the first thing that Elisha did. He split it. Fast forward. Elisha, Elisha passes away. Elisha's done 15 miracles. Elijah did eight miracles. He asked for a double portion. This is where it gets good. There was a day where there were people traveling through, and they threw a dead man into Elisha's grave. I just got hit, man. There was one miracle left to be fulfilled. Only 15 miracles had happened. You can go look this up. There's a dead man that was thrown into Elisha's cave, and when it hit Elisha's bones, it raised him from the dead. Why? God will keep his word. There was a 16th miracle that had to happen. He will keep his word. It doesn't matter if I die early. He'll keep his word. It doesn't matter if I blow it. He will keep his word. You guys worn out from worship or what? Come on. He will keep his word. There is something to this that I think we often just you know, Sean Bowles teaches on it, and he teaches something that I never hear about. Sean says there's mantles and anointings that have not been fulfilled laying around everywhere. Who will pick them up? There was something left to be done, and God had to fulfill his word, and he asked for double, and he was going to get double. Don't throw it on you. Woo! <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's just something about that, that God is serious about keeping his word. What if I die early? His word still stands. It didn't die. His words don't die with you. They don't die with you. They don't die with family members. We love them. We miss them. But the word doesn't die with them. The word remains. The word remains. I've seen it with people. I've watched it. I watched it with one of our dear friends, Trisha Frost. She's such a, just a sweet friend. When her husband, Jack Frost, passed away, there were so many people that just thought, well, you know, you got to close up the ministry. No, his mantle was still waiting for somebody to take it on. And Bill Johnson, I think I could be wrong, was one of the people that prophesied to her and says, you will carry this on. Why? Because the mantle on Jack's life didn't die with Jack. But so often we feel like when certain circumstances happen, well, we missed it. You think you affect his word too much. If you think that you can stop his word from happening. You can stop it in your life, but you can't stop his word. His word will happen. It will happen. 
And the last thing I want is my words to be transferred to someone else's account because I'm not willing to hold on to them. Man, I, I got the Demetria running anointing about to hit me. And you do it in high heels. Elisha got double. God kept his word. I just feel a release in this room for people that thought, especially in the circumstances of spouses and in different contexts, whether it be uh, deaths, divorces, that you have bought into the lie that promises died. And the Lord is saying that my word does not die. My word does not die. If that's you, you should take that. I feel that. His word did not die. He's good enough to wait to the right time. But it does not die. I've come to a place where I live by his words. I live by his words. I keep a note collection, and actually I do it digitally because I have it in a note, and it keeps it on iPad, computer, iPhone. And when things go wrong, I start searching through my notes. And I find the word that has the life for the moment that I need. And we've been through some stuff this year. And I have looked at my notes a lot this year. And I'll scan through them. And I'll read through them until I find the one that his breath is on. And I read it. And <gasps> Why? Because I can't mess up his words. His words stand true. Some of you, there's, I can see him. Things are happening. Let's wrap this up. He's faithful to his word. He responds to his words. I want to, I don't know why I felt to share this, but I am. God will also respond to his word even if you are a mess. I've watched people lead other people to the Lord and they weren't even saved because it wasn't they weren't saving them to themselves his word remains the same some of you are like oh, no it's true I've watched people do signs wonders and miracles that I later found out was an abusive spouse because the gifts are not revocable But here's the thing. Never allow your public ministry to be what you determine, the measuring point of your maturity. People see people do public ministry, and that's almost like how they measure them up. But you see, I get to come up here, and it's a gift. But you are seeing me operate in the word. And you see, if there's hearts that receive the word, he moves. This is important because your life needs to have fruit. Just because you can do signs, wonders, and miracles, that is him responding to his word. This is really important. 
Because people say, well, man, I don't know how they duped me. <laughs> I've heard that one. You hear all the different things. They didn't dupe you often. It was just that they were here, you were hungry, and the Lord met them. But a lot of people get hurt. A lot of people can get hurt that way. And I want to encourage you, especially those of you that do ministry, know your heart. It's dangerous to get into a place where we just do the stuff and things happen and we think we're great. Because that's a demonstration of his faithfulness to his word, not a demonstration of your character. One of the things that we try hard to do, and it's, we, we try, we don't always get to do it, but when we bring in guests, we try to, we try to get to know them. Crazy thought, right? <laughs> we don't let all of them stay at our house, but it's the cool ones can hang with us. And um, <laughs> Don't feel left out over there. We, we want to know them. Why? Because I don't want them to come through with an impressive message that makes things happen and then... It's not really anything there. And I also, I also search myself. You should search yourself. Because don't let he, he responds to his word, church. I've quoted so many scriptures at you and not even had you open to one. I apologize. I never do that. I'll just read this one out of the Bible to make you feel better. I know it, but I'm going to read it directly, so you are all cool. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many who say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? What's the point? He says, listen, people can do all that, and I don't know who you are. I felt the need to say this this morning, and I still don't know why. I'm preaching it because I'm being obedient. But I felt like we need to address that on the piece of he responds to his word. He responds to his word. Jesus. I'm almost done. The Apostle Paul. He's in here somewhere. He's talking to a... Here it is. He's talking to Timothy. 1 Timothy 1.18. He said, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command. In keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. I'm going to read it again. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command. In regards to the prophecies that have been spoken over you, I'll make this a little easier to understand. Remember them. That's how you will fight well. You can't fight by the prophecies until you begin to believe them. Some of us are always fighting to believe the prophecies, and how will you ever fight from them if you don't even believe them? We had, we had something. I'm going to give you an example, and I had a debate on telling you this, but I'll do it anyways. We had something uh, cool happen. 
um, we had a real neat opportunity to come up. We, my wife and I were going on a big cruise earlier this year, and in the middle of the cruise, her father passed away, and so we had to come home early, and we missed out about half of our trip. And we had another opportunity come up where a really unique thing happened that we get to take our family on one at the end of this year. And my little girl, it just so happens the first day of this trip is her birthday. She thinks it's for her birthday, and we're in big trouble when next year rolls around. Because <laughs> this is not for her birthday. But it is the first day is her birthday. And so she's like, guess what do I get for my birthday? A cruise. I'm like, oh, Adeline. And um, so... Here's, here's the thing about, here's the cool thing about kids. It doesn't matter what you say to that little girl, you're not going to change her mind. Why? Because my dad said so. Well, but Addy, da 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 my dad said so. so. I think kids are on to something. Well, I don't know about that. My dad said so. Well, you're not, I know your history, and I've seen what you've done, but you don't understand. My dad said so. <laughs> you don't understand. I don't have the resources. I don't have the funds. I don't have this. I don't have the skills. But you don't know this. My dad said so. There is something on that. And listen, it's when you actually believe it that you can fight. Paul did never told you fight to believe the word. He said fight from the word. I'm preaching this very, very intentionally this morning in that Dimitri has come through and released a lot of prophetic words. And some, sometimes when people release words over us, we, sometimes it's hard to believe them. Especially when our life looks like, I don't know how that's going to happen. <laughs> or, or, or someone prophesied it over you before and it still hasn't happened and somehow you put that on God. Like, well, I've heard that one before. Well, if he's told you twice, he really wants you to know. <laughs> it's not that he failed you. It's that he wants you to be affirmed. Some people are like, well, someone already told me that. Then he wants you to know twice as much that he, he still... Man, I feel so much life in this room right now. Here's the deal, and I'm done. My last point. My... <laughs> He, he has seen your future. I, I want you to see this thing about God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to see this picture of God. Here you are now. He's seen your yesterday. You, you don't surprise him. You're not, that, you're not that bad. You're not like, well, he doesn't know. Yeah, he does. He knows your yesterday. He knows your history. He is also in your now. But he is also over here. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you. And they're good. They're good. But sometimes he knows that for you to get from there to here, you're going to need something. Because you're looking at it and saying, man, nothing's working out for me. And so what he does is, is he brings somebody into your life or maybe he gives it to you and he gives you a word from the Lord. But here's the thing about words from the Lord. His word is an invitation from here to here. But here's the thing you've got to get. It's an invitation on your part. His word is solid. So his promise to you is an invitation. But it's not a guarantee because there's a factor still here. You. 
People say, well, I haven't experienced my word yet. It, I, keep, keep going for it. But it's an invitation. People say, well, sometimes they don't happen. Well, you don't know that yet. You're still alive. It don't matter how old you are. That, that thing's silly. He wants to invite you from here to what he sees for you. And what does he do? He says, he brings in someone that says, I got a word for you. That's why she says, pull out your phone. Why? Because you're going to need that word one of these days. And you're going to want to go play it back. I still have a Demetria word on my phone recorded in a very loud restaurant. And I had to listen very hard to hear it. And it still brings life to me. Because words from the Lord bring life. If your word brings death, it is not from him. It's not from him. And it will, it will be like an anchor to your boat. Let it go. He's good to his word. 